0: I was reading recently the statistics on fatherlessness, and what it means to you and me, and what it means in our culture. And today, my uh, guest is a very special friend, Tony Rory. And Tony's the head of the uh, Men of Honor, Men and Women of Honor Ministries. And it is remarkable, Chris is with me again today, and it's remarkable, Chris, the stats that I read. Fatherlessness is the leading indicator of poverty in every culture of the world. Yeah. I mean, no matter where you go, we're dealing with fatherless issues. 220 million children will be abused, mistreated, or neglected this year worldwide. That's why we started the Global Fatherhood Initiative. That's why I'm excited to have Tony on board with that and be a partner with him and the Men of Honor, Men and Ladies of Honor Ministry. So this this, uh, interview today with Tony, not only is he a great guy, a lot of fun to be around, but he's doing something really important. Yes, he
1: is. And I just love seeing his interaction with his kids.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, true. you can yeah. tell
1: that he admires their his kids, mm. but they also admire him. Yeah. You know, and that's a beautiful thing. And I love his son, Daniel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Daniel's great. And is working with that ministry now. Yes. Tony was a uh, teacher and a, and then became a principal of a school, public school. Yeah. And he had these, well, I'll, he's going to tell the story. We're going to tell the story. I'll tell the whole thing before we get there. <laughs> and then and then everybody, all our friends listening would go, dude, I already heard yeah, this. Yeah, I don't need yeah, to anymore. Why are you anymore. telling this? <laughs> and the Global Fatherhood Initiative is a uh, initiative of the Christian Men's Network, cmn.men. And we are a human justice mission focused on defeating fatherlessness and ending child abuse and stopping human trafficking. And the way you do that is by reach the hearts of men. We had a guest recently who said to me, he he said this. In fact, it was on the thing, and I thought about it later. And he said, uh, if we change the hearts of men, that doesn't stop necessarily police brutality. Mm. And I thought, no, I think it does. Yeah. Right? Yes. Because if we change the hearts of men, it changes the way they act. Yes. I mean, in the short term. Obviously, we've got issues in every parts of culture. But right? you're
1: hitting a great point, Paul, mm-hmm. like, because if you change the way you act, you also change the way you respond,
0: mm. because oftentimes wow.
1: we find ourselves in reaction rather than response.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. and
1: God has called us to respond in love, wow. not that's react, really good.
0: not react, because that's not love. Okay. So that's kind of like taking care of my son's dog this week. Mm-hmm. His name's Bruce. Okay. Okay. He's, he's a gray little dog. He's a rescue dog. Bryce rescued him. He's a, uh, what is it called? A French bulldog. Oh, okay. okay. So he's thick-chested, mashed-in face, but a great guy. <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of snoring. Oh. But I reached down to push something, and he had been at our house for just a little bit, and I pushed, a, uh, pushed him away from he was eating the cat's food, you know. So I pushed him away, and he turned and just snapped at me. He just reacted. Wow. Okay. And snapped on my hand and drew some blood. Now, you know, I knew what was going on. You know, he was just reacting because he was in an unfamiliar environment. Mm. He's eating some cat food. Which maybe it tasted great. I don't know. And I'm pushing him away. Wow. Now, he's a rescue dog that still has. Bryce has done a really great job with him over the last four or five months. But I think he's still got some of that stuff in him. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Of being really abused at two different places. He's got marks on his body from being abused. And he's just a great guy. But he turned snapped at me. Right. And that is the difference between reacting and responding. Yes. Wow. That's so good, Chris. And I think that's the thing that that when we change the hearts of men, we change everything. Yes. And Tony Rory is what he's doing with Men of Honor. The reason for me, it's so important is as a businessman, which I was for most of my career in business. If you're selling Toyotas and you're looking at your, let's say, 20 years down the road and you're looking at this next generation and they're all jacked up, you know what? Your business is not going to be very good 20 years from now. Mm. Right? Well, yeah. So you're thinking about, let's say, passing it on or selling it. or whatever. You may want to sell it in the next five years Yeah. before these people who are, you know, jacked up and messed up. But if we can change them in junior high, and that's the thrust of Tony's deal. If we can change them in junior high, Chris. Yes. Then you can still sell Toyotas. (laughs) It's more important than that. Yes. But also. But that's just a picture of where we're headed if we're not. If we're not proactive,
1: yeah. But it also speaks to what you were talking about earlier. You know, the generational equ- equity. Mm. What we were talking about before we got yeah, on the show. On. Yeah. You know, and it's like that's why I love in the scripture where it says, "Honor thy father and thy mother," yeah. so that your days may be long. Yeah, it's the fifth
0: commandment, first, yeah. first one with promise. Yeah, and, and it's the one I taped on my kids' dressers. Yeah, it's the one that I remind that. myself. Yeah, you got to remind all the yourself. T- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's nah, true.
1: Yeah, because it's like. Parents, grandparents look Mm. to pass on to the next generation, but our responsibility as the younger generation is to respond
0: properly. Yeah, to respond properly. And I do think it's the heart of the father. Malachi said the heart of the father is turned towards the children, then the heart of the children turns towards it. And we're wanting, we're wanting in our church, in the church in general, I think we want the youth to straighten up. Yes. Problem is we don't straighten up. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a harsh
1: reality. I mean, it's a Dude, team I'm thing, you, you know, it's a team yeah. thing. It's yeah. min- It's what we preach, you know, yeah. in this ministry, it's brotherhood. Yeah. yeah. It's it is locking on. Yeah. You know, to each other and saying, Hey, yeah. we're going to do this together and we're going to get better.
0: Locking arms. Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tony Rory is on Tony Rory is the executive director of the men and ladies of honor, uh, based in, uh, Dallas, Texas area. Uh, they've won all sorts of awards in the schools. I don't know if we hit all that in our interview, if we're going to be able to hit all that, but there's just so much that they do. It is absolutely amazing, and it is a great pleasure to have uh, my great friend and a man is doing an, an extremely important work that's gone through the nations uh, today, Tony Rory on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage
2: for the journey.
0: I'm talking with Tony Rory, who is the executive director of uh, Men of Honor and, and uh, Men and Ladies of Honor. And Tony, you you minister into the lives of young men and women, and particularly at a formative age uh, in junior high. Is that right? That's
2: correct. Yeah. Most of the students that we work with are sixth grade through eighth grade. And we found that's the, the age we really need to reach them.
0: And you started this, uh, how did you end up in this kind of thing because you're in p- schools all over the nation. How'd this start?
2: Well, reluctantly, uh, I, was a, uh, I was a principal in public school uh, in inner city Dallas. Oh, you were? It. Title I title at-risk school. So my job was discipline. So if they had a student who, who could no longer be in the classroom, they sent them to Mr. Rory's office. So that's where we, where we started.
0: So you were that guy?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. Now I wasn't in a Title I school, but I did meet that guy in most of the schools I attended.
2: <laughs> Me too, which is very ironic.
0: Yeah. Which is, so in other words, so here you are—you're the kid who ends up in the principal's office, and now you are the principal.
2: Exactly. Yeah. When they came in, they'd say, "Mr. Rory, you just—you don't have any idea." And I was like, "No, you don't have any idea." You don't have any
0: idea. So you're at—you're at, you're at a, a junior high. And is this the Dallas Independent School District?
2: It's within the district. It was a charter school with about 1,300 students in the wow. second highest child mortality zip code in Dallas.
0: Second highest child mortality. Yeah. Goodness. And you're the principal of this school. And, and what happens that, that launches this thing? What, what's the shift? Because there you are trying to bring discipline. And then something must have shifted. What was that, Tony?
2: So it was the perfect storm because I was actually uh, picked up a book called Maximize Manhood and got engaged in the uh, commissioning process where I'm reading through, you know, these books and getting all this strong word to men. And then I'm also a dad and I'm a believer. So as a principal, there sitting in my office as the kids come into my office, you know, the, the big common denominator with each of these students is they just don't have a dad Wow! and, and being a dad, you know, and having a heart for these young people, and loving on them, I just realized with just a little bit of love and a little bit of care, some big things can happen for fatherless kids. Mm. And so I started working with, uh, you know, the the main knuckleheads on our campus. And uh, I took four boys and, you know, just started teaching them the basics of, you know, yes sir and no sir, and pull your pants up. And when the teacher comes in the classroom, open the door for her and and watch what happens. And those four boys that were the worst on the campus quickly became the leaders on our
0: campus really no words you took an interest in him and just begin to teach him what it is to be a man
2: yeah just stuff a good dad you know that would would teach his son I just Mm -hmm. I I just said these these boys don't have dads in their home so we can't assume and expect things from them that they haven't been taught right just backed up with the basics and uh found out that the ones that you would think would be hard were really hungry and open for that kind of love and instruction because you know uh, i think it was dr dobson said it that kids really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care
0: wow and then what happens with that so okay so you get these four guys their lives begin to change just through basic things and frankly by the power of the holy spirit your love your mercy you didn't kick them out and um and, and how does this start then what happens after that
2: so I, I developed a relationship with those four boys and again I wasn't trying to start a program I was just dealing with my issues on the campus. Right. But I knew that the boys needed more than what I call home training. They needed like biblical instruction and in Christ-like manhood. So I asked for permission to do a, an after school program with these four boys and I start working with them and teaching them the principles that you know I'm going through with uh, maximized manhood and what I'm teaching my son. And the next thing I know, the group of four, I look up and it's 50 boys that are sitting there in the room with us saying, you know, teach us how to be men. And uh, the impact on the campus was, it was surreal. It was night and day. Um, The district called me in at the end of the year and they said, what is it that you're doing that's different than our other campuses? Because your discipline rates have cut in half, your test scores have gone up, your attendance has gone up. And we know you're not that smart, so what what is it that you're doing?
0: <laughs> there must be something. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Because, because a, a public school, public educators, uh, everything they do is built on some sort of empirical, factual statement. Mm-hmm. So your numbers, your uh, what, what do they call it? Disciplinary rates, or what do they call that? It's, it's disciplinary incident
2: rates, but they do a calculation in Texas. It's called uh, PEMS. Public Education Information Management System. And it collects, you know, what's the attendance? What's the test scores? How many discipline incidents you have in a school? So we had data that showed a a huge impact.
0: So you have actual data that you can point to from before you started this after-school program to after in the same school year. Absolutely. Okay. And and the test scores go up. I mean, stuff begins to change. In other words, Jesus changes people's lives.
2: He is the way... The truth and the
0: life. Bottom line. I've read that somewhere. That's good, Tony. (laughs) And and so uh, we need some scripture on Brave Men on this podcast. We need some scripture every so often just to keep us straight. So then, uh, man, this thing, they're asking you, how did you do this? Because your school, which was considered one of the least, what would be the designation? Least efficient, uh, highest. Underperforming
2: is what they call it. Yeah,
0: Underperforming. Yeah. Okay. Now that's beginning to change. How, and then what happens next?
2: So, you know, I, I, they ask, what is it that you're doing that's different? And I said, well, you're probably not going to want to hear this, but I'm teaching <laughs> these boys how to be Christ-like men.
0: Get out of here, man.
2: And so they go, yeah, you're, you know, you're right. We don't want to hear that. But could you do that over multiple campuses? <laughs>
0: so, this is impacting the budget, you know? Yeah, because... So, Okay. Okay. Let's get real. Let's get real right here. Because if kids are coming to school, then in the public school system in the U.S., you get paid when kids are in school.
2: Yeah. It's called ADA, average daily attendance, which are butts in the seats, they call it as well. If you've got kids there, you get a certain amount.
0: Okay. You get a certain. So if you got more kids there, in other words, more of your kids are attending on a regular basis, your income goes up exactly so now all of a sudden everything begins to come into line and they go we don't want to hear how you do it but could you do it (laughs) on the multiple campuses exactly that's insane so that starts men and ladies of honor
2: yeah yeah and it's you know that's the bottom line is they've tried everything in education and found out certain things are not working and so when they see something that does work that's why we're, we're seeing open doors to be able to bring the gospel in public school campuses just because it impacts budget, just because it causes metrics to go in the right direction and
0: it works. There's a book called Redirect. I was just looking for it here in my library, but I don't see it off offhand. but it's called Redirect. I, I read it about four or five years ago. A friend of mine in New York recommended it to me, written by some scholars out of uh, South Carolina. Uh, general culture scholars, and they were talking about the things that have been used in education in order to bring about changes in the lives of teenagers in particular. And what they basically discovered is basically everything we thought was great and cool actually didn't work. In fact, one of them that they pointed to was uh, Scared Straight. Remember that program? Mm-hmm. Scared Straight. Now it was bringing offenders into junior highs and places like that having them talk about how bad prison was and how bad they were and all that, that it would scare kids away from going to prison. The data, (laughs) these guys did the data. The data showed there were more young men that were actually attracted into a life of crime. (laughs) Because they thought, well, that's cool. (laughs) They may be in prison, but wow, what a cool life they led until they got there. And they found that the number one thing that was working, and this is a secular study these guys. The book is called Redirect. And I, I could find it somewhere and give you the person who wrote it, but, but you could find it if you wanted to. It's, it's an academic study, you know, so it's not easy reading necessarily. But what, was, what they said was the thing that really worked was big brothers, big sisters. They said of all the programs, and they they didn't just talk about scared straight. They went through, it must have been 40 or 50 different programs, many of them of which the US government had sport, had put in hundreds of millions of dollars, because it sounded like a cool thing. And they absolutely didn't work. And and the thing they said worked was big brothers, big sisters. Mm. So what you did is essentially that same type of thing, mentoring of young people, of having them meet a woman like your wife, Melissa, other ladies who are godly women, who are also real. They're not preaching to them. They're loving them. And they're, they're, they're fathering, they're mothering, they're mentoring. And, uh, and then you started a camp program, right? You started taking kids to camps.
2: Yeah, exactly. We, I had a friend who had a, uh, an executive uh, high ropes course, challenge type element up in Broken Bow. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, why don't you bring some of your boys up, you know, and and let them check out the camp. And so I got about 20 boys and took them up to Broken Bow. And this is over a weekend. And my friend that owned the course was with me, man. and, And after hearing what these kids were going through and seeing what God was doing in their lives, this guy cried all weekend. Wow! And he was the one who really encouraged me. He said, you need to take this this model that you're doing, you need to put a board of directors around it. You need to multiply it and just take it, you know, all over because every kid needs to be able to experience this. Well,
0: Tony, uh, talking to Tony Rory, who's the executive director of, uh, men and ladies of honor and founder, he and his wife, Melissa, of this amazing program in junior highs across the United States and in about eight different countries now, 13, 13 different nations around the world. And, uh, amazing. I've seen the photos from Namibia, uh, from, uh, uh republic of south africa and other places absolutely incredible and you've had thousands of young men and women give their lives to christ and so i want to commend you for that and then and, and you've also you've just gutted it out man I, i've seen pictures of you driving a bus a big old school bus loaded with kids man driving them out to a camp and for some of these young men it's the first time they've been outside the city
2: yeah they stop and get mesmerized by trees and Right, <laughs> <laughs> you know they've they never seen this before <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shoot, that's funny man it's walking down a path in the woods hey but tell me uh so this must have come from um you know your dad must have really poured a lot of these virtues into you uh what do you remember is some of the first things your dad teaching you
2: you know one of the first things that my dad taught me you know my dad was he was not like a very godly man i mean he he had his uh you know, upbringing in church when he was a kid but it was a very religious type upbringing but my dad was was a was a rough guy he was a bar fighter hung out in the in the bars and uh, he was a roofer worked with his hands strong guy but you know probably the biggest lessons that my dad taught me about masculinity uh, were not very biblical and, and and some but some of the things were very valuable like uh you know he taught me about how to stand up to bullies that was one of the first things that he taught me you know mm-hmm. never never back down from a bully. And that lesson uh, does have some spiritual benefits to it. And especially with what we're doing, you know, if we see, you know, what's attacking kids and what's attacking men and what's attacking families, we, we don't back down. So that was one of the, the most valuable things my dad taught
0: me. You and I have been friends for a long time and I value our friendship and I consider you one of my closest friends. And, and Tony, you told me one time, because I knew your dad and your dad uh, passed away. Has it been four years now?
2: been six years
0: six years yeah and your dad you know it's amazing to hear these stories about him being a fighter because he was such a gentleman and gentle man you know just kind he loved these kids that you're ministering to but you told me once that he taught you how to fight from the bottom tell me about that tell me about this lesson I mean this is amazing this is a great story
2: you know one of my favorite pictures is of my dad and his face is completely his eyes swollen shut he got one eye he's looking out of he's got marks all over his face but he's got a, a smile on his face and uh his his lesson was the guy was on top of me and he was just pounding me he was beating me fiercely and i knew any minute that he was going to get tired and when he did he was mine
0: so... <laughs> <laughs> so... Goodness, yeah, but, you know, there there's spiritual parallels on that, man. Yeah. How to fight back when you're down. Absolutely. And so you had to do that a few times.
2: Yeah, I did. Growing up, I tried to follow in my dad's footsteps, and, uh, you know, he was, he was just just much of a man, and uh, he could really fight, and the things that, that he told me and the stories that I heard about him and the things that I saw made me want to be like him, and uh, it wasn't a great road to go down, I'll tell you that.
0: yeah. So there you are at learning how, you know, a fight basically. I mean, and your dad wasn't like you're a lot larger than your dad was.
2: Yeah, I think he was 5'10". Uh, I'm six, almost 6'1". Six, uh, he was the smallest of five brothers, but all of his brothers uh, were, were afraid of him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, because he, he could clear out a bar from, from the stories I've heard. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's something there about, but your dad was there. And he did teach you that stuff. And he did teach you how to stand up to a bully. And he did teach you how to shake a man's hand. And he did teach you how to look a man in the eye. And so in one sense, Tony, uh, your dad did prepare you in a circuitous way to be the guy who stands up for uh, for the disenfranchised and the kids in the margins.
1: Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. We have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. And CMN has created a 12-part training course on how to create a successful ministry to men for pastors and leaders. Check it out, majoringinmen.com, which is the solution to men's discipleship. Because of the generous sponsorship of the Christian Men's Network partners, what would normally cost $100 is now free. That's the themajoringinmen.com. It will help us continue to reach the lives of many men around the world. If you would like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to this podcast and share it. That's the Christian Men's Network in Paul Lewis Cole. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Tony Rory.
0: How many young people, when uh, you work, in, Let me. let's just talk about young men in particular right now. How many young men do you come in contact with in public schools? How many of them actually have a father in the home?
2: I would say it's one out of ten, Paul. You know, the, what? The, the, yeah, one out of ten. It's, it's published that the, the national rate for the U.S., and this was 2010, was 46%. Uh, in the urban areas, 78%. But the real-life situation that we're seeing today, it's become so bad that nine out of ten boys that we deal with don't have a dad in the home.
0: Oh, my goodness, man. So, oh my gosh! So, ninety percent of the young men in our public schools in junior high, junior high, have no father figure that's teaching them anything. So they're just learning from the older brother or the older kids in the street, who learn from another older kid in the street. So we've really created generational, uh, generational bad guys who have no moral center.
2: That's it. There's such dysfunction, and it's, it's, it's really not uh, hard to figure out that the reason that the boys are the way they are is because they have absolutely no masculine destruction in the home other than negative influences in most cases.
0: So fatherlessness, which we know statistically, again, data tells us fatherlessness is the leading indicator of poverty, drug abuse, youth suicide, uh, unmarried pregnancies. And so we do know that, but you, you're watching it firsthand. And you're watching kids tip over when they're 11, 12, and 13. That's it. And the,
2: you know, the teachers on the campuses that we come on, they, they are cheering. They're crying. They're celebrating the fact that men are coming on the campus to mentor these young men because they know that's the issue as well. If he had a dad in the home, he wouldn't act that way.
0: So. so your website is uh, honorchangeseverything.com, honorchangeseverything.com. The book you wrote is a, a great book, Passing the Torch, uh, Journey for Fathers and Sons, uh, really a uh, uh, coming-of-age book for a father to be with his son in the biblical manhood. And our friend Jeff Kemp did the forward. And, and uh, Tony, what you've done with Men and Ladies of Honor. So what you're saying uh, is you've got, you've got guys – who come into the local campuses <clears throat> who will do a mentoring program with men and ladies of honor. So if I wanted to be part of it, let's say I'm in Phoenix or I'm in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, I could actually get trained by you or go into a local school. So basically I'd need like a, a master's in social work or what would I need to qualify to, to be able to, you know, mentor and love some kids.
2: Preferably not. Uh, we, we like unqualified guys because those are the ones that God seems to use the best. You know, people <laughs> think you need a, a hotshot youth pastor that would go on the campus, but we've got, I've got an 80 year old man, uh, wow. brother Danny Kellogg that goes onto the campus and the, the kids just love him and wow. he's making a huge impact because he loves those kids and the kids love him. So I would say the only prerequisite is that you got to have a heart for the next generation.
0: Which means you've got to have, in other words, you have to be a Christian. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you're a follower of Christ, you love the next generation because that's who we are. And uh, man, that's, that's powerful. So now, what does this take about 20, what does he spend, 20, 30 hours a week doing this? Not,
2: not that much. It's one hour once a week that they go on the campus. I and mean, of course, you know, we want preparation. Wait a
0: minute, wait a minute. So, let me go back on this. Okay, and I'll let you hit the other thing, but. So, Tony, are you saying that I could, I could invest one hour a week on a school campus and actually change the future for a young man's life?
2: Sounds incredible, but that's exactly what it takes.
0: And you have statistics to back that up. Absolutely.
2: I think, you know, the Lord's given us a real systematic way to disciple young people in a two-year program where they have a mentor that comes onto the campus Spends one hour once a week with a large group of students. And when I say large, it's not, it's not one-on-one instruction. You don't have to invest at that level. But it's one guy getting up in front of as many as, you know, 200 boys and teaching them a manhood lesson and a principle and then giving them a curriculum that they'll use outside of the, of the meeting. That coupled with that weekend camp that we do is enough to change the life of a young person. And you know our heart is that we want to go on to every public school campus because with this fatherless epidemic, if the church does not intervene in a quick way, we're going to lose our country, and with the church engaged, we can we can turn it around in one generation
0: we're talking to uh, men in many nations. it might be 20 25 different countries listening to us right now who speak English in particular, but you also have the materials in Spanish, and you also have them in other languages out of um, Africa, right? That's right. Yeah, okay. South Africa. And then if we're in a country right now, we're listening, we speak English, but, but our nation speaks German or something else, um, then, then translating that, we just get a hold of you, and you're open to helping us or letting us uh, translate that. Wide open. Yeah, honorchangeseverything.com. Yeah, this is incredible that I can invest an hour a week and actually change the future of the world. Because if we don't, you talk about our nation. We live in the United States, you and I. But no matter what country we're in, there's a a true north and a place of morality that if we don't have that in a nation, uh, a perfect example is a nation of Venezuela that ended up with leadership that did not have a moral compass and in one generation has gone from one of the most prosperous nations in the Western Hemisphere to people having to scour through garbage cans to find food for their family. You know, so that's really what you're talking about. That in one generation you could actually reverse that.
2: Yeah, the power of God transcends any any boundaries, and fatherlessness is 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 also in every culture that we come into. Like places like South Africa, the, the fatherless rate is nine out of ten there. And you know, the the trouble that their country is going through right now could quickly be fixed with raising up the next generation. You know, we want to pull the weeds and deal with the you know the things that are at hand but if we would drop back and just plant lots of fresh green grass in the next generation in one generation it it would turn this has been the enemy strategy from day one
0: this is i love that picture man if we would just plant seeds and quit you know dinking around with trying to pull weeds (laughs) that's You know, because that sounds like the church I grew up in, man. They spent most of their time trying to pull weeds and and not discipling kids. It It was more like, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't hang out with those people. And pretty soon the people they pointed at, hey, don't hang out with those guys are the guys we were hanging out with because they looked like they were having more fun. That's a powerful picture, Tony. Man, this is incredible. And uh, so you can go on cmn.men. We'll point you to where uh, Tony Rory is and his whole team, uh, Passing the Torch, Father and Son Journey into Biblical Manhood. And then the website, and your new website is fantastic, man. HonorChangesEverything.com. And you've got stories on there. You've got videos. You've got ways to engage, way to learn. And then you've got guys who would coach us, right?
2: Absolutely. We got, we've got everything scripted. We've got everything kind of deduce down to what really works after trying, you know, many things that didn't work. Um, with the leading of the Holy spirit, we've developed something that can really, really change the heart of a young person.
0: We turn youth into qualified leaders and world changers by training in principles of chivalry, honor, moral excellence, and courageous leadership utilizing life changing camps and ongoing weekly curriculum based meetings. And that just says it right there. And, um, you basically are hitting ages 11 to 17, which is the ages that most churches are saying, we don't know what to do with them, so we'll do a climbing wall.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's the wet concrete right now. Um, they're really forming their character. And if we can just, you know, with just a little bit of time and a little bit of effort, set the forms on godly character, character and principles that will help them avoid that aberrant behavior, it's so much easier to, uh, to, to build a boy than to mend a man.
0: Wow. Hey, let me finish with a couple things. I'm a dad. I've got kids. They're, they're let's say eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Give me a couple of things that, you know, this is a Christian follower of Christ and I'm I'm wanting to do the right thing. You've seen guys, a lot of situations where guys have done the wrong thing. What would be a couple of things that you'd give me, you know, uh, that I should do for my kids? You know,
2: one of the, one of the things that I've, I found out early that's really helped me and I don't want to come off and say that my family is perfect by any means cuz you know we've got issues just like any other guy that's listening but
0: everybody's human yeah
2: yeah everybody's human but one of the things that has really helped us to connect as a family is to develop a family devotional and what that looks like is every Sunday evening we get together in our living room and we have a time of worship and we have a time you know together of reading the word and praying for one another. And that's just been a centering point in my family that, you know, cause you can get in the ministry, you can get, get busy with so many things and let your family just, you know, go in the wrong direction. So, you know, a family devotional was really good and you don't have to be a theologian. I mean, I just sat down and said, Hey, you read this chapter, you read this chapter and you read this chapter and then we'll pray. And just by doing that, putting God first in our family and having that family time together we worship together, you know, and they may not get a lot from it initially, but, you know, maybe my son, Daniel, when he gets married and has kids, they start going through a really rough time. He goes, you know, my dad's house, we used to get together on Sunday evenings and read the Bible and pray. We should do that as a family. So that's one thing that I would highly recommend for for any family, because, you know, your kids don't always do what, you know, you tell them to do, but they, they will become who you are. So if you model that kind of behavior that, listen, in our house, we're going to put God first and and we're going to spend time together as a family worshiping, even if it's just a single dad with his, with his child in the home, you know, that's something that I've got one of my friends that that's, that's his situation. But when his son is at his house, they spend time with the Lord together.
0: Man, that's awesome. And it doesn't have to be, you know, we, we kind of have a We, we do this. We go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to do it. And then finally we go. Okay, I'm going to do a family devotional. And then it's like we go. All right, everybody get in here. Like, what are we doing? Everybody in here. By the time you get everybody sat down, like everybody's mad. What's Dad doing? And you go. All right, forget it. I'm just going to pray. Everybody, get the hell out of here. You know. <laughs> so, but you made it this party normal life. You know, and I think that's that's uh, what we miss sometimes. Is you, you didn't create like a well, first of all, you didn't just spring it on everybody. Everybody, get in here! Yeah, you know, turn your iPad off. Shut the heck up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, you made it normal life, and you actually have—I've seen uh, you guys occasionally on—and uh, you can put it on Facebook. On Tony Rory, is it? To- are you guys Tony yeah. and Melissa Rory? No, it's just Tony Rory, but it is Tony. R- yeah, R O R I E, R O R I E, and you can see you've you've actually posted photos of you guys praying together and it's it's a it's a fantastic model and i just think it's incredible and what you're doing tony about changing i mean we change the world one man at a time and uh and that sometimes when we think about that we think of a 38 year old guy that's in an insurance business and building his career we change one but we forget that that, that man when when god spoke about david and samuel was upset about saul and saul was a total screw-up and Samuel says, "God, we've got to have somebody." And God said to Samuel, "Samuel, don't worry about it. I've found a man after my own heart." Too often, Tony, we think of that as David, the king at twenty-eight. But when God spoke that over David, David was—if you study it chronologically—David was approximately nine years old. And over a nine-year-old, God said to Samuel, "Don't worry about it. I've found a man." Mm after my own heart and i believe every single young man and woman born on this earth has a purpose placed in them by god according according to ephesians two ten, for them to become everything god designed them to be so uh tony rory tony melissa and uh men and ladies of honor honor changes com. this thing's amazing there's so many stories that we could talk about uh but give me one just as we finish here give me Uh, just one story of a young man that you've seen now over time and now you see them maybe they're in college or something like that and uh, nobody ever thought they would be
2: yeah there's so many uh, two real quick i'll tell you one of them is uh gabriel Carranza, and uh, gabriel was a, a young man that you know young hispanic man who who was in a really impoverished neighborhood had drugs all around him, gang stuff all around him. He lived actually in an area, that intersection, it had, it had killings and shootings every weekend. And, uh, you know, we reached out, he was one of those original four boys that was in my office all the time that I talk about. And so at our 10 year anniversary, we reached out to him to see if he would uh, come to the gala. And uh, he wasn't able to, but he sent us a video because he was imbe- embedded with the mar- Marines in Afghanistan. And he sent, sent a medal and I remember just getting choked up watching it because here he is sitting there with these medals on his chest. And I'm thinking to myself, I, you know, what an amazing transformation he went through to be where he was to, to where he is. Wow. And then I think about, you know, Joe, the kid that I, I talk about probably the most at conferences that, that got saved in one of our meetings and filled with the Holy spirit. And, uh, you know, he was, his dad committed suicide. He said, I still remember the sh- hearing the shot when I was four oh. or five years old. Oh. And uh, but he got saved in one of our groups and, and then started uh, preaching on his school campus. And he's the one that told me, he said, Mr. Rory, uh, w- there was a bunch of kids getting high out behind the school. And he said, I went out there and just started preaching Jesus. And he said, I ran them all off, but one kid stayed and, and got saved. Wow. And he's also the one that called me and said, Mr. Rory, I baptized that kid in the bathtub. And he said, his feet didn't go all the way under. Does that still count?
0: Does it still count? <laughs>
2: I said, "Yeah, Joe, that counts." So you know, there's there's greatness in the next generation, and you know, if we just—it's kind of like the principle of the. Remember the fairy tale where the you took the frogs and kissed them, and they become the prince. Yeah, prince. These boys are frogs, man, and, and wow. when we kiss them with the power of God, they become princes. They become mighty world changers.
0: You know, Tony, I pray that every place you put your feet becomes holy ground, and everything you put your hands to will prosper. And that God will take you and Melissa and your family and your ministry and keep you deep within the grip of His grace and favor. Thanks for being with us on Brave Men. You're an awesome man of God, man.
2: Thank you, Paul. I just want to be like you when I grow up.
1: (laughs) So, Paul, speaking to Tony, you know, and just hearing his story, Mm -hmm. what are principles you can share with us about honor that can impact us right now practically
0: you know i think the thing about honor to me when he's when he speaks of honor the thing he's putting into those those young men's lives in particular and it's young ladies too that's been yeah. what's really amazing to see what's happened and we heard the story about how it happened uh, the whole you know the whole piece of honor honor actually means in some languages means weight wow. you've actually added weight to something So when you honor someone, you've added weight or value. It it speaks of scales, Mm. and I don't mean scales on the eyes. I mean you know like uh, scales where where you would uh, put gold on one side and lead on the other side and see how much gold you have. So that weight, okay, putting weight on something means it's got greater value. The greater the weight of the gold, the greater value. Wow. So when you add weight to someone, when you honor somebody, you actually increase their value. Mm. And to me, what Tony is doing is increasing the intrinsic value of a young man or of a young lady in their own eyes. Wow. You know, I've got friends. I've got uh, Judy and I were uh, talking earlier this morning about some people we're praying for. And uh, one of them, both of them in similar, very difficult and tragic situations, one of which has has picked themselves up and said, you know, I'm just going to go with God where I'm at. The other one has kind of laid there and said, well, nothing good is ever going to happen. Mm. Okay? And it's sort of like, remember that story about the, uh, uh, where is that? Is that Kings or something? It's in the Bible. Hey, that's good. Yeah, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Somebody hit me one time and said, where is that? I don't know, dude. I'm it's not theologian. The it's in the Bible. <laughs> you know, remember the, the uh, attack was coming against the city, and outside the city were were those guys that were sitting you had, uh, the disease. What's that thing where stuff comes off? You know, uh, uh, leprosy. Leprosy. Come on. Mm-hmm. And they had leprosy, and the lepers go, "Hey, you know, if we sit here, we die." Mm-hmm. And instead, they got up and they went and did something, and they went after towards the enemy, and they found out, man, these guys are gone. God had confused them. And I think that's that's part of the thing. When you add honor to somebody, and they begin to honor themselves, they pick themselves up and move towards where they need to go. So good. The person that we've been praying for who's just kind of sat there, said I'm a victim, I think we'll be okay eventually. But it's going to be a longer road because uh, in our conversations with this person, ongoing conversations over a long time, trying to get that understanding of you're valuable and, and you're worthwhile no matter the tragedy that's happened to you and the things that have happened to you, you didn't create them. It happened to you. Both these people had stuff happen to them. It was really tragic. Mm. And the one just said, you know what? If I sit here, I die. Got up and went. And when, what that person had was, was they begin to sense their own value. So good. The weight, the honor of their lives. Mm-hmm. When you honor someone, and you can honor a young man simply by listening. Wow. Warren Farrell with the boy crisis. Yes. Remember what he said? He said one of the most important things you can say to a young man is tell me more wow yep to a young lady to to your son to your child to your daughter to your wife hey tell me more judy and i uh when the pandemic started we started walking now wow. she's never been an outdoor walking person she's always gone to uh, aerobics classes and dance stuff and goofy things you know where they all yell and all that stuff <laughs> that may not be goofy but yeah like, i see what you say workout stuff yeah and i've always just worked out and then ridden the bike and been outside and then we started walking outside when the pandemic started well now she loves it wow and so we take those times to talk to each other hey what's up and and just random access of things things we're thinking about things we're praying for pray together all that sort of stuff it's been uh an incredible time you know that conversation as a husband adds weight yes honor i'm honoring her i'm listening I'm, i'm presenting value So honor, when you talk about the whole thing, it's adding weight to somebody and it's helping them create in themselves a sense that they have value. Yeah. And something that jumped out at
1: me about the way you described that, and that's such a beautiful um, way that you described it in the the picture you painted. um, It just makes me think of the difference between having talent and gaining character too. Because it's like you're describing, you're walking. You're giving of yourself, yeah. walking with Miss Judy, mm. but you're also allowing her to impart into you character, yeah, because you're hearing things that you may have done right or may have done wrong. Oh yeah, or you know, bother no, we her, talk about everything. You know, so it's also allowing that <laughs> application of change yeah. to softly and gently be yeah. manifested too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. Anyway, Tony Rory, God bless him, man. Uh, he's amazing. And uh, also, we got conferences coming up. we got stuff yes. going on all the time. CMN.men, the tools that Tony's been using, many of the tools can be found on the Christian Men's Network website. Uh, he used Maximized Manhood. We talked about that and some of the other things. CMN.men, thanks for listening today. We've had a little bit longer than normal program, but you know what? Uh, first of all, well, what's normal? <laughs> we live in a ridiculous world, yeah. chaotic So these interview shows, they're all about, you know, 40 minutes to an hour long. It's just what they are. They're long form podcasting. Yes. And then we're doing the Go 15 with John Arana. Yes. Which is fantastic. That's 15 minutes. We set the clock, bang, answer something. And if we we don't have it fully answered, that's just the way it goes. It's okay. Boom. Come um, back for more. <laughs> come back for more. And then uh, starting August the 23rd of this year, uh, 2021, if you're listening to it this year, uh, we start the book Real Man yes. every Monday night, which is fantastic. And then that week, we also start a new email, inspirational email program. People, guys need to jump onto that. Be short, about probably about a 90-second read. And uh, inspirational, three times a week wisdom. Bam. Courage. Same stuff with this. So the Go 15, that's season four with John Rana, which uh, may or may not be on when somebody's listening to this. It's not on yet as we're sitting here, but we're producing the shows. It's going to be fantastic. And then uh, upcoming Dad Academy, some of the other things. Dangerous Nations. Yes. Dude, that thing's heating up. Going to Iran. So good. You know, live from our studios here, going Mm -hmm. into Iran. And then Thailand, uh, Philippines, northern India. We're Christians are being killed every single day. So doing the stuff, man, reaching men. Yep. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey, thanks for being with us today on Brave Men. It is a great blessing. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Come on, man. Love you guys. Blessings. You've just experienced Brave Men
2: with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.